Good morning, everyone. One of the mandates I was given uh, when I came on here as pastor some four months ago was to revitalize our view of missions and to get back out into the world and have an impact internationally as well as locally and, and nationally. And so one of the first people that I got to meet at the district at office was Lisa Rorick, and uh, her job is to help encourage churches to be on mission and to give them great ideas and just even keep our focus uh, not on ourselves but on the world. And this is part of what Christ has asked us to do in the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, 18 to 20, where he, he commands us or all of his people to go into all the world and to make disciples and to teach them uh, everything that he has commanded them, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he promises to be with us as we go. And in fact, the, the first word in that uh, command, go, is actually also translated, as you are going, make disciples. And so this is a constant action that the reason we are believers is because someone was sent to us. Someone left the Middle East, someone left England, someone left another country, came to Canada and began to share the gospel. We are the recipients of other people who went to bring the gospel. So Lisa, welcome to MRAC. And um, I do have some questions here, but I told her I'm going to go off script quite often <laughs> just to see if I can trick her or catch her off guard. <clears throat> Let us see the quality of our district staff. But um, Lisa, your, your title is the uh, Assistant District Superintendent, and is that, does it stop there or does it just continue on to Assistant District Superintendent of Mission Mobilization, or is that, is that two jobs? No, that's the same job. I am an assistant, I say an assistant because there are three assistant district superintendents, but my portfolio is primarily mission mobilization. So a so. question not on the paper here is, uh -oh. <laughs> why did you ever get involved in missions in the first place? Uh, just a bit of a background, you served in Niger for? I was 20 years in West Africa, most of that in Niger. Okay. Yeah. Why? Because God made me, is the short answer. <laughs> the slightly longer answer is, I grew up in an Alliance church. I heard stories from international workers. So as a child, I'd hear these people swatting through the jungles with a machete and canoeing down the Amazon and four-wheeling through the desert. And I'm like, sign me up. Um, and as I, and when I became a teenager, started grappling with faith and, and saying, asking the big questions, and is this for real? Do I really believe this, or is it just what mom and dad said is true? That process lasted a number of months, and I decided, yeah, this is true. I'm gonna believe Jesus Christ is my Lord. Salvation comes in no one else. The following year at our church missions conference, there was a fellow speaking. I have no idea what he said, and I told him that, but I know what God said. He put his finger on my heart. This is for you. So that started the journey of getting me to Africa. So I, I also grew up in a church that had lots of missionaries coming by and they brought their African tablecloths and carved wooden animals and masks and so on. And I got suitcases of that yeah, stuff. Yeah, I got lots of that too. I, I got a few myself, <laughs> just in case I do a missions talk somewhere. Uh, and I always thought that, you know, there's normal Christians and then there's, um, you know, like deacons and elder kind of Christians that are a step higher than that. And then there's us... Uh, you know, mortal pastors that, you know, slog through the, the trenches, but then there's missionaries. 
Like they're just above and beyond. Everyone, they're the amazing kind of the epitome next, just below kind of the angels. Uh, Why are you laughing? Don't you think that's true? <laughs> but, then, but then I actually met missionaries and I traveled overseas. <laughs> and we fell and off I, the and, pedestal. <laughs> and, and I've been in their homes and I've watched their kids play and that type of thing. What does it take to be a missionary? It takes someone who is in love with the Lord Jesus Christ and wants to make him known to others. In spite of our sinfulness and our misbehaved children and our relationship issues and our list of things, it takes someone who's willing to obey. And that, like I said, that, that tug on the heart. When God pointed his finger on my heart and said, that's for you. No, it wasn't an audible voice, but it was something inside. And so, yeah, that's what it takes. It takes someone willing to obey. So missionaries, though, they never get depressed, they never get anxious, they never get angry, they never scream at their kids. Do we have to carry on with this conversation? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I don't have any problems with my children, because I don't have any. <laughs> and there's a reason for that. I think God didn't allow me that, because anyways, let's not go there. Um, yeah, I mean, we go with all, yes, there is an element of God is changing me. Some of those things that I really struggled with 20 years ago, praise the Lord, there's some victory there now, but I, have I become perfect? Absolutely not. And if we wait until we've got it all figured before we can obey, well, we'll never go anywhere. So. Yeah, I guess what I'm, I'm wanting to get at is that there's people here today that may have toyed with the idea of, doing missions in some form or other, but they feel they're not good enough, they don't know mm -hmm. enough, mm -hmm. they still mm -hmm. got issues, maybe they have some debt they need to deal with, they just can't leave right now. But the truth is, anybody can go. If God calls them, he will prepare and equip and empower them to do the, that. Exactly, I mean, some of those things do need to be looked after before you would move a family overseas. You can't have huge amounts of debt and suddenly move your family overseas and think that there's not gonna be a problem with that. But there, there's a, a preparation process for those who go longer term where things are, are dealt with and you have opportunities for spiritual growth and development of capacity, different competencies, etc. But again, you don't wait till you're perfect because no one will ever go. And yes, God uses all sorts of people complete with our sinful pasts and struggling presence and yeah. So I'm new to the, uh, the Alliance family. Can Welcome. You, can you, thank you. <laughs> can you give us kind of an overview of what the, uh, the Alliance family is doing right now for, for mission work? Yeah, I will, I will contain my comments to the Canadian Alliance because I don't, right. so we are an international group and we've got sending churches from many countries but really the only one that I know a lot of details about is the Canadian side. So I don't wanna ignore the, our, our American friends and the Filipinos and the Dutch, et cetera, but <clears throat> I'm not gonna talk too much about them. So we have 215 international workers. See, we used to use the word missionary, but there's all sorts of cultural baggage and stuff with that word, and so we use, I will now on use IW, so if you hear IW, international worker. So we have 215 from the Canadian Alliance. There's about 60 others 
in the pipeline of various stages of inquiry preparation, almost ready to go to probably never will go. There's, you know, kind of that pool. We're working amongst, thir uh, no, in 33 different countries, amongst about six 65 different people groups. Um, these, uh, read my cheat notes here. Um, yes, yeah, so these people, when I refer to these numbers, these are people who are supported by the Global Advance Fund. So I don't know what lingo you use around here. With, I should have checked, you know, if your, your, your envelopes or your giving offerings, if there's a, a missions fund or Global Advance Fund or however you phrase it. So the Global Advance Fund, it's a pooled fund from which all of our people are paid. We all get the same, and that supports our living expenses, allowance, insurances, plane fares, all that kind of stuff. That is, and, then, so, and then there are other different funding models for people who pay their own way, etc. This follows the model of Acts chapter 13, where the church in Antioch we're meeting in fasting and prayer. The Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, who became Paul. For the work I've, sent, I've, I've given them, they, lent their, they laid their hands on them and they sent them out. So Paul and Barnabas became, we could say, international staff of Antioch, I chuckle because I was just about to say Antioch Alliance Church, of, of, <laughs> of the Antioch Church. And then they came back every few years, they came back and reported to the church in Antioch, here's what the Lord is doing through us amongst the Gentiles. Much like our IWs come home on home assignments and they report to our churches what's going on. That's why you have seen me before, because I have been here talking about what God was doing in Niger. So it's, these people are an extension of the Canadian church. I just want to give you an example of one family from British Columbia and some of what they're doing. Paul and Janelle, or what we call them, not their real names, and that's okay, and they're living in North Africa. In the year 2020, well, let me say first, Paul works with a, a media team, so it's a group, it's not just Alliance people, it's broader, a media team, and in 2020, they saw 35 people in a North African nation come to Christ. They distributed 3,000 digital copies of the scriptures, and they've had over 300,000 people interacting with their Facebook pages. So God's at work there doing things among very ordinary Canadians. Uh, Janelle is, has, a, has a friend where they meet together. The, this photo here is the rooftop of Paul and Janelle's building. So they're in a large city, large crowded building, and on the rooftop there's an open spacious place that's covered where they can meet with people and was safe to continue meeting during COVID. So Janelle has been meeting with her friend Amy and they watched together the video series The Chosen of the Life of Christ, but they didn't just do that, they read it, they did it while reading the good book. So they would stop after a story and read the original story. And Amy is wanting to know more. She says, no, let's study this book. So, that, so they're just now starting into a study of the good book. Um, so this is the, it's a representative of what our people are doing. Lots of other different things, but that's, that's a recent one. You had a number of years of ministry overseas. Can you tell me one of the uh, most outstanding, joyful events that you had, but also 
maybe one of the more heartbreaking events that you encountered overseas? The joyful bit, that's the easier part. I worked with a group of, of Muslim people in Niger, and I, the, most, the biggest part of my job was telling stories from that same book. The greatest joy was that God trusted me to take his story to people who otherwise hadn't heard it and wouldn't hear it. To see the faces of people hearing the stories for the first time and see them respond and to see the wow or to see the laughter or to see the, the shock. You know, because those of us who've heard the stories forever, they don't shock us anymore. We know it's coming. We know the end. We're not excited when, when a miracle happens because we know it's coming. But people who didn't know, uh, to see them just come alive and then to see them respond, to see folks baptized. That was the absolute greatest joy in my life. Um, what was the other part? Struggles, heartbreaks. Um, oh yeah, I want you to see our baptismal tank. <laughs> yeah, work with what you got. <laughs> and there's our church building. Just, you know, we didn't paint it gray and white, but there's our... <laughs> Uh, and well, no, this, well, we didn't. This was just another group of, of me with a group of believers there. Um, oh, some of the heartbreaks. People who said, "Yeah, I, I believe," and then mm, we never saw them again. One of them was one fellow who was so curious, asked such good questions as we were working through the story of scriptures, and then when we got to the end, he said, "Jesus is not the Son of God, and I'm not going to believe." That was heartbreaking. Um, on the other side, there were. Niger is the poorest country of the world, or in the, always in the bottom three. Thus, there's just tons and tons of physical, um, financial needs. And that was heartbreaking for me because there's no way I could begin to meet them. And so here I'd come home and be a poor person in a rich world, and there I'm a rich person in a poor world, and it, it was never enough. That was just ongoing stress. So. Tell me what are some of the uh, newer initiatives that is happening right now around the world for taking the gospel to people that haven't heard it. Okay, the video we saw a few minutes ago about South Asia, that's one of our new initiatives. At General Assembly in 2018 in Calgary, it was decided that we would go back into that part of the world. For, for a number of years, we haven't had IWs there. I won't go into all that history, but we were really discerning, is it, should we be going back to that part of the world? Assembly said yes, and so we are. We now have one family and one single gal on the ground over there. We've, we're developing some partnerships. One is with a like-minded organization that is involved in church planting, training local church planters, especially in the part of, in the, in the, in the regions where, with, very least reached. Because we're all about taking the good news to people who don't have access to Jesus, to people without the hope of Christ, and that's like 40% of the world's population. So we're going into South Asia and partnering with this organization, helping them build training centers where they are training local church planters. You saw that audacious goal of 50,000 churches by 2030. We're actually, we as part of this partnership, are well on the way to making that happen. In-house churches, small group things, people who are 
And, and, and the training has continued during COVID, even though people couldn't gather to, for, at these training centers, they did it on WhatsApp. There's this one fellow who wanted the training so bad, but his internet connection was so poor at his house that he climbed a tree, built himself a little tree fort where he could get reception to do his studies. This is, this is the kind of people we're dealing with. Just another quick story there, there was a family in, in their town when in a village when COVID was at its worst and it was just ravaging that region. This family believers, they gathered, they just sat and prayed and begged God to intervene and to pray for their country and their village. And it's hot there, so they've got all the windows and doors open. There's some other people in the village walking by, another family walking by, and they hear the tears and the crying. So they knock on the door and say, hey, are you guys okay in there? Can we help? Oh, we're praying. Do you want to come in? Oh, okay. So they come into this prayer meeting and they sit till the end because that's the polite thing to do. So they sit at this two-hour prayer meeting and then they sit out when they go to leave, it's, well, where's, where's the family idol? We need to pay our respect before we leave. No, we don't have an idol. We're praying to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Tell us more. As a result of that encounter, it, the story goes on that 30 people in that village have come to Christ because of that prayer meeting. Amen. So these are the people we're partnering with. <laughs> Pretty exciting stuff. There's also a mentoring ministry going on. Maybe I'll talk more about that in a little while, but there is a mentoring ministry going on where Canadians are in touch with South Asians to help them just walk through some of life's struggles. There are other things. Um, there's Envision, which is a leadership development training platform in Canada, not just for young people, but primarily young people and helping to be mentoring, training, preparing for ministry. Uh, they're offering things like a justice semester where you can go and study justice and where it's hands-on in Thailand for a semester, those sorts of things. We're getting people exposed to international things. And then I also want to talk about the marketplace. And we're going to see another short clip because they explain it better than I do. And then we'll talk a little more about the marketplace. The Alliance uses Marketplace to describe all the places and spaces where we live our vocational lives, whether in Canada or in another country. In those places, we all represent and demonstrate God's kingdom as ambassadors of Christ. Marketplace is a pathway for people to use their profession around the world. We are continuing to fund and send full-time international workers. However, that approach is limited because of rising costs and countries increasingly restricting access. But the pathway is wide open for professionals of all types to gain employment in the global marketplace and thus bring the presence of Christ to the workplaces and communities where they work and live. The pathway is ready to help you engage this way of bringing Christ to the nations. You're invited to take who you are and what you do and use it for God's glory among those who have yet to meet Jesus. So those of you who were sitting back comfortably a few moments ago when Pastor Tom was talking about, well, some people from here could actually go, and you're thinking, well, you know, I'm established in my career, and I couldn't go back to seminary at this point and go to Bible school and all those millions of years in language study and all that. So, well, now's the part of time for you to squirm, because, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> go for it. <laughs> Marketplace. People through their ordinary jobs, 
can go and work for companies around the world. International companies are short-staffed in their marketing or, or, or recruiting internationally. We're talking about tons of different professions. We're talking about teachers, IT people, engineers, accountants, medical people of all stripes, um, firefighters. The list goes on and on and on of people who can take their profession, find a job overseas, they're supported by their own salary, and they're intentionally living and being salt and light, living, being uh, representatives of Jesus, gone, sent with his power to reach the neighbors, their friends and neighbors, their co-workers, people who otherwise could not hear about Jesus. This takes a little bit of change of thinking on our part, doesn't it? Because while we were kind of joking about the super holy missionaries and the really barely holy, maybe sort of holy accountant, uh-uh, uh-uh. We need to stop looking at work as that horrible thing that we do in order to pay for life. Because work is something given to us by God. It was given to Adam and Eve before sin entered the world. They're supposed to be working. Work is a good thing and how God gives us, he wires us so differently. I could not be an accountant, but I praise God for accountants. How he wires us gives us interests, abilities, strengths, that, and then lets us work in our areas of expertise that, oh, aren't religious, aren't spiritual. Yes, they are. Mm-hmm. Remember what Paul said in Colossians, whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, whatever your work is, do it all for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for his glory. So this follows the example set in Acts chapter eight. Back up. Chapter seven is when the story of Stephen, who becomes the first martyr of the church. And then chapter eight, verse one, it says that day, the day Stephen died, a great persecution broke out. And all the believers except the apostles left Jerusalem, they went into Judea and Samaria. Jump down a few verses and where, everywhere they went, they preached the gospel. Go down a few verses later and it talks about the, the number of believe, there's a large number of believers in Samaria. So who were these believers that went and preached? It says everyone except the apostles. So the religious professionals, those who went to Jesus' private Bible school, stayed in Jerusalem. It's the rest of the believers who took off to Judea and Samaria, preaching as they went and leading people to Christ. So this is the people who were the bakers in the Jerusalem church made bread all over Judea and Samaria, talking up Jesus where they went. The merchants in Jerusalem became the merchants of Judea and Samaria. The carpenters, you get it. Ordinary people using their jobs, whatever they're wired to do to make a living, and being lights for Jesus in that place. This is what we're aiming to do. I know of a church in Canada that if they hear somebody gets a new job, they have that person come forward and they go, this guy's got a new job. We're we're sending him as our ambassador into that workplace. And they commission him to be salt and light in that workplace. 
At this time of the year, they have all the teachers come forward, teachers, uh, custodians, bus drivers, admin people, anybody who works in the school system, you all come forward. We are commissioning you as our representatives in our school systems. You're going to be salt and light in that school, living holy, take, being exemplary in your work, being squeaky clean in your taxes and in your bill payments and all that kind of stuff, listening to people, praying with colleagues, hurting people, looking for opportunities to share Christ. We should all be doing that. And, and then, a, then we also, send them overseas to do it. There's also a shorter-term view where uh, an accountant, say, can go to uh, an African uh, ministry and help get their books in order and uh, come home a week later, or an engineer can help uh, plan a, a new church construction and, and then come home. Like, this is just a short-term event where you can actually have a, a direct impact. Now, I, I, I've been in 49 countries. I've seen lots of different things going on. Um, when I go overseas, and, and my kids had an opportunity to do, to do that as well, they, they came back different. Yeah. There's something that happens when you go overseas and you see different cultures, you spend different currency, you function in a different language. You know, I was, um, I was in, uh, took a vacation for my, my wedding anniversary in, in Greece and saw Ephesus and Turkey, and uh, we were doing all the touristy things, but I also happened to know that there's huge ref ministries to refugees in the same place. I was looking at the Acropolis while mi missionaries were working with refugees in the same city. Like, mm -hmm. there's always God's people doing God's activity, kingdom efforts, all around the world, wherever we go. And even to take part of a vacation to say, you know what, I want to invest. I got two weeks off, I'm going to take a week to play, but I'm going to take a week to minister and serve. There's lots of different things that can happen. What, what other kind of creative ministries are going on right now? Yeah, and, and those kinds of things continue. There are lots of options. Uh, you, again, I, it's not like I have a whole big list of them, but it's just so neat to see the way... Someone will make a need known, like we need a bookkeeper, our books are a mess. At one point we needed someone to help us with a, a, a computer, it was like a survey kind of thing. We just had no idea how to make this computer make sense. Well, there was a couple from, I think they were from Edmonton, came out and spent a week or 10 days developing this thing for us. So there's those kinds of things, partnering with our on the ground people. Uh, during what about this mentoring thing like that was quite interesting to me you talked about mentoring right okay yeah let's 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 talk about that as far as okay let me back up we're partnering with a group called power to change who you've probably heard of formerly campus for christ they have a mentoring program the way it works is they have volunteers from all over Canada in Canadian churches. And at this, they also have websites all over the world in, in different languages where people can write in or can read, can read articles on whatever, a whole pile of different issues. So let's say depression. Okay, so someone who's struggling with depression, they can go into the website for their country and they can read about depression or some helpful hints or something like that, and then it'll say, do you want to talk to somebody? And if that person fills that bit in, their name and address, email address, go to the Power, of Ch Power to Change program platform, at which point they're, they're, they're connected to a mentor who then writes and says, hey, let's talk. So what, they've, what Power to Change has done for us is they've taken, 
their website, which is called mystruggles.in, because it, it's targeted for folks in India, and they've taken that, and if someone from an Alliance church signs up, they only get messages from there. And so I've been in, a, we've, we just started this at the beginning of the year, there's a, a pilot project with, we started about 20 of us in men, with, as mentors, with a coach, and now it's growing where there's more coaches being trained, more mentors being recruited, and you sign up, you take, there's training, and then there's ongoing webinars and helps for questions and coaches and such, and you say, yeah, okay, I'm gonna do this, and then you get a note from somebody saying, I'm really struggling with whatever. And then you start a conversation, and I've had some really interesting conversations, mostly young women. One young gal wrote and just said to me, thank you that you're listening to me, and you mentioned God. I think I wanna know more about this. So some people have come to Christ through this already, through our group. I, I don't have a number, it's not, it's not a large number. But there's ongoing conversations where people are opening up and talking about their lives. And so that's something that people in the pew can be involved in or groups could do, a home group could get together and do that together, answering emails, those sorts of things. So there's a way to touch internationals by going internationally, but internationals are coming here. In very large numbers. So how do we connect uh, the global perspective of ministry in God's kingdom with the people that are living across the street in the basement suite? Right, well there are, a couple, there are, there are more than one different way. Part of, one way to back up a step is being involved in helping settle refugees. So that's a whole other thing is, is helping them actually get settled in Canada and all the stuff that's involved in, in that from helping with banking to stuff, you know, just material things and housing, etc. <coughs> Excuse me. You mentioned Alpha. I heard that in the announcements. That is a, a very powerful tool to when we, once we've befriended our neighbors and to invite them. It's also something, I'll just say in passing, that our international workers are using in some of their countries. Our, our group in Mexico has had lots of people come to Christ through the Alpha program. There are ways of, one is just simply inviting people into our homes. The statistics are kind of appalling of how many students go through, come from around the world, spend their university days, five years, eight years, three years, whatever, in Canada, and never get into a Canadian home. They don't know why we celebrate Christmas. They don't know what thanks, who we're thankful to at Thanksgiving. So there's a huge opportunity, connect with the schools around, the international schools. Another one, or, I mean the schools that have international students, let me get that straight. Another one that's really neat is hosting students. Lots of high school students come to Canada from around the world and spend a year or maybe just a semester going to a Canadian high school. And I know a number of families who've done this. Last, last Sunday I was visiting with a family who have a, school, a student from Japan staying with them, and they had another couple over for dinner. The ladies from the Ukraine, the man's from Russia, young people, they're probably mid-20s at the most. They both went to the US as students separately in different states, they didn't know each other. They were in separate states. They came to Christ through the love and witness of their host families. 
They went back to their respective countries, did what they did, and finished their schooling, came back to the U.S. to go to school, went to the same university, which is where they met and married, and are now here going to Trinity Western. And why? Because they were loved by families who, who welcomed them. So that's a, another neat ministry opportunity, just welcome a student into your home and love that kid to Jesus. So it's my intention to uh, reestablish a missions committee or team in our church that uh, can help guide uh, our church into being involved in a number of different kinds of ministries. We are currently supporting two families directly from our church, and they're also giving to the Global Missions Fund. But I like to do more. I like to be sending mission teams out. I like to be sending professionals out to help in mission settings. I like to see some of our families, you know, commit to going for a couple of years overseas, uh, be transformed forever, but to take mm -hmm. the gospel with them. Um, and and, and it, it just seems like Christian and, what's the next word? Christian and, what was that? Christian and Missionary Alliance churches should be involved uh, as much as anybody in Amen. this arena. And More. So we, we expect to see you back here checking up on us. Uh, I actually said that she should actually come and join our church and then help get our missions committee. You know, I'm not actually joking, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, we'd love to have some district people more closely to here. But um, what can we do immediately in terms of encouraging missions and yeah. missionaries? Yeah. Let me start with the first two, which are the most obvious ones, and maybe you get tired of hearing, are pray and give. Uh, you, in the Alliance, in global ministries, we've, we've set aside five values of things that we believe we really need to do, and the first is prayer. And I know that's kind of what people in my line of work are supposed to say, right? But the more the longer I go down this road, the more convinced I am of the, that God answers prayer and does powerful things as a result of our prayers. So as we seek him and seek, how do we be involved? He opens doors, he knocks on, on our hearts, he makes job offers drop out of the sky, he, just, he answers prayers. You know, to pray for the folks who we've already, excuse me, who've already sent for couples like Paul and Janelle, Hey, I have access to all sorts of prayer requests, and I, if you, there's things you want to know of getting in touch with Alliance people, I can help you. So those kinds of things, prayer is just so important. Giving, we can't do this without finances. Boring as it is, it costs money to send people. There's the mentoring thing that I just spoke of. There's a, a, a way to be involved. There's Training and sending your own people. I mean, we won't, I won't get into the details now, but boy, I'm really happy to talk to anybody who's starting to feel that tug. I can connect you with the right people, ask questions, just talk about it. And there's where prayer comes into it too. If you're in a, what do you call them? You don't study the Bible, you don't do care, but you live together, your life group if, you have, if you're part of a life group and you're starting to feel that, gee, wow, maybe pray with these people, tell them, wow, we're, we're, we're feeling unsettled here, maybe God's doing something, pray together. And he leads and, and directs. There was probably something else on my list, wasn't there? Um, let's see, how am I doing? There's, oh, the, there's all, again, with, with, for, especially for young people, there's, there's some short-term 
connections, study semesters, those sorts of things. Something else that we mentioned that short-term teams are fantastic, except for what happened a year and a half ago. The whole world ground to a halt, and we're still not sending short-term teams. But you know what we are doing? Virtual mission teams. And I've, I've, I've experienced one and have heard stories of others where it works really quite well. The one that I was connected to did 6.30 to 8 a.m. and p.m. from Monday to Friday. So three hours a day on Zoom, which is quite a bit. So it's a commitment. And with IW partners, and the IWs were in on every one of those meetings, telling their stories. They had all sorts of little videos, interviewing local pastor, interviewing their teammates, taking us on a little trip around the city, going to the market, lots of Q&A. They gave us learning opportunities, because that sounds a whole lot nicer than homework. And they, to go out and notice who's living in your neighborhood and how to connect with these people. It was a fantastic experience. And it opened the door to way more people than could actually get on an airplane and go. So that's an, another, and they are, this is a Chilliwack Alliance, and they're actually hoping to include virtual teams as part of their long-term strategy. So while there's a maybe four or six people with their boots on the ground in some place, you could have 30 at home praying for them, being involved, finding out what they're doing, what their day's going like, what, what's happening there, and it, it can make the church much more involved in, in the ministry of wherever it is. I want to make two more comments, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for our church, if you would. Um, one is um, you all realize that other countries around the world are sending missionaries here mm -hmm. to Canada, because Canada is one of the unreached countries. We have such a small number of actually born-again Christians in our nation that other countries are sending missionaries here to help share the gospel while we are sending missionaries out otherwise. And so it's, it's interesting how God has really uh, using the, all of his people wherever they are, you know, Korean missionaries coming here, uh, Chinese missionaries coming here, uh, South African missionaries coming here. It's, it's really interesting. But we are a part of a larger team mm -hmm. in a larger context in the kingdom of God and I personally feel that the time is short. We don't have a lot of years to, to carry out the Great Commission, and so whatever we can do, we need to start doing. Um, the other thing, not many people have asked what this is about. One, one brave young uh, girl asked me what this was about, and it's actually from Liberia. Uh, when I was there, it's a very poor country that had a lot of civil war. Um, they don't even have electric, electricity in most of the country, but... It, it's in the way, and it, it's, I have to take it off when I do my keyboarding and, and that mm. type of thing, but I remember the people of Liberia and the needs that they have there. And um, always, I don't want to forget, uh, even if it's in the way, it's a reminder that we have a bigger task at hand to take the gospel around the world. And uh, these reminders and, the, you know, a missions team that we have here and you coming and others that we're looking at, it's a reminder of our mandate as Christians to follow Christ's command. Um, first of all, to love our neighbors ourselves, which is the international neighbors as much as anyone, but also to go into all the world and to take the gospel and to make disciples. So I appreciate you coming. Um, I, I love your heart and your passion, and I hope that that can begin to be infecting around here. Just meander around the congregation afterwards and infect them with your passion for our missions. <laughs> <laughs> Because I want to see us uh, reaching not just our neighborhood and our community and our city, but reaching the world. 
So Lisa, thank you for coming. Can we give Lisa a round of applause for her service? <laughs> and if you wouldn't mind blessing us with, uh, with uh, prayer for us. Love to, love to. Uh, kind Father, thank you so much that you are so good to us. And just that, as we sang earlier, the whole story of how you uh, came and died and were raised to life and that you give us hope and new life and how exciting too that we get to, that we get to be part of this, that you have given us the privilege, the right to be called children of God mm-hmm. because we believe. And we, yet we know we, we've been blessed to be a blessing. This isn't just so we can sing and dance and be happy, happy and buy more stuff. It's we're blessed to bless. And so Father, I pray for the nations. Thank you that you have a, such a heart for the nations and we know that there will be people of every tribe, tongue, people and language around your throne someday. So Father, I pray for my friends here in Maple Ridge. Thank you for this congregation. Thank you for their desire to, to follow you, to serve you. Lord, I pray that you would bless the folks that call this church their home church. May they grow deeper in loving you, being filled with your spirit, hearing your voice. Lord, I pray that you would use this congregation as salt and light in their neighborhoods, in their schools, their play places, their workplaces, the clubs and sports and whatever all they're involved in. Would you empower them to live for Jesus, to be your ambassadors in all those places, that people will look at these folks and say, well, there's something different about you. Give them the courage to take the opportunities you present to explain and to share who you are. Father, I pray that you would raise up men and women, young people from this congregation to touch the world. I pray that you would use university students to do exchange things and overseas things that will change their views and and give them a heart for other nations. Father, I pray that you would send short-term people to various places, making a contribution and being changed themselves. Lord, I pray that you would raise up career international workers, those who will do the Bible school and seminary and go as church planters to where you would call them. Lord, I also pray that you would take some from with their own career, what they are good at and love to do, and that they would sense your presence in their work and you would call them to do that work somewhere where people don't yet have access to Jesus. Lord, we're asking for a lot, but we also know that you do a lot. You do above and beyond what we can even think. And so in the strong name of our Lord Jesus Christ, I just speak a blessing on Maple Ridge Alliance Church. Lord, may you be delighted in these folks and use them for your glory, we pray. Amen. One last thing. Can you do a quick promo, 10 seconds, The God Made Known? What is this book about? It's about um, making God known. It's... (laughs) 
And there are actually two sequels. I can give you more. This is put together by Ron Brown, who is a retired Alliance IWU, and Charlie Cook, who teaches missions at Ambrose University. It's a whole bunch of short stories of of. Alliance, what Alliance people have done around the world. It's actually kind of an accountability thing. Ron looks at it that way. You've been paying your tithes so that our people can go, here's some of what you got from your money. So it explains this. And again, I, I've got some more of those, so I can get, you to, get them to you. So, Thanks, Lisa. Yeah. Great, thank you.